The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Uh, today we are starting a brand new series and uh, we, this series I've titled it Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Why do bad things happen to good people? So why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout this is my Bible. This is my <laughs> I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer not just a hearer. Namplange. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So today we're starting this series called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And today we're going to look at the story of Job. The story of Job. And we're going to look at this story uh, from a New Testament perspective, uh, so that you can understand where you fit into the story, and you can also understand what to take, the lessons to take from the story. The Bible says that, you know, the things that happened to the Old Testament saints were for our learning, amen? So we can definitely learn uh, from the life of Job. So we're going to go to Job chapter number 1, and we want to read from verse 6 to 12. Job chapter number 1, from verse 6 to 12. Now, there was a day when the sons of God, the sons of God there is just talking about the angels, amen? He says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest from? Then Satan answered and said, from going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, we know that, you know, this uh, is confirmed as well if you read in the New Testament. The Bible says uh, the devil is a roaring lion, goes to and fro, looking for someone uh, to devour. So he is looking for an opportunity, and here he confirms that that's what he does. Amen? He goes to and fro, looking for someone, and this is what the Lord said in verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, If you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man, an upright man, one that fears God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? See, Satan thinks there is a motive to everything. He says, Does Job fear God for nothing? Has not thou made... Man, this is awesome. Verse 10 is awesome. Has not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and all that he has on every side? Man, this is awesome. If Job had a hedge of protection around him and he didn't have a covenant, I can guarantee you that you and I who have... uh, Better covenant established on better promises also have a hedge of protection. Amen. Amen. Around us and around all of our households. And he says uh, he has a hedge about him and about his household and all that he has on every side. 
You have blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. Verse 7. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to the face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only upon himself put not thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now, this is an awesome uh, story. It's an awesome piece of scripture because it gives us uh, uh, some insight on what transpired in the spiritual realm. Now, Job did not have this kind of insight. He didn't know that this took place. But you and I, from a vantage point, can read and understand exactly uh, what transpired. So let's go back to verse 6 and analyze what is going on. And we will bring that to today to see uh, what that means for you and me. Now in verse 6 it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came, the angels, to present themselves before God. And Satan came also amongst them. Now this in the spiritual realm uh, uh, is Satan coming before God on the basis of what Adam did in the garden, the fall of man. So Satan had now the right to come before God and stand before God and make an accusation. Now, what does that look like for you and me in the New Testament? Let us go to Revelations chapter number 12, and we're going to read from verse 7 to 12. See, after we finish today, you're not going to believe for a job experience. (laughs) You won't have any faith for a job experience. You know why? Because it's not going to happen to you. It can't happen to you the way it happened uh, to Job. It says in Revelations chapter number 12, uh, from verse 7 to 12, let me read it in the New King James Bible. Let me switch. I don't know, now read everything in English. We're going to go back and just... And it says, and a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought... With the dragon. Who might be the dragon? Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought. And they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So now he's talking about you and me in the New Testament. He says there is no place for the devil in heaven any longer. How do we know that he's talking about the New Testament? We keep reading. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God is talking about, you know, what transpired when Jesus uh, was on the cross. And the power of his Christ have come for the what? I didn't hear that. (laughs) For the who? Remember what he did to Job? He went before God and accused that Job honored God simply because, you know, God did something for him. Hallelujah. And here he's saying, for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So he used to do that. He used to accuse uh, people day and night, but now he has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, what transpired on the cross, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. War unto the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So what happened was, Satan was cast down into the earth. So Satan cannot go before God and accuse you. 
Man, that's a, that's a good piece of scripture. He can do it because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now we actually have Jesus at the right hand of God making intercession for you or speaking great things on your behalf. So as opposed to what happened to Job, man, you are at an advantage. Now watch what Hebrews chapter number 9 verse 12 to 22 to 24 says. It says in Hebrews 9, 22 to 24, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, and now up to appear in the presence of God for who? For us. So now we have Jesus himself appearing before the presence of God for us or for our advantage. This is the new covenant. Amen? I said amen. So the only place for accusation is in your own mind. It is in your own conscience. This does not mean the devil has stopped accusing brethren, but he now accuses them in their own soulish realm. He accuses them in their own conscience. That's why the Bible says if your own conscience, if your own heart does not condemn you, then you will have confidence in God. Amen. Amen. So he seeks to tell you that you are nothing. He seeks to tell you that you are worthless. He seeks to tell you that you don't pray enough. He seeks to tell you that you don't read the Bible. What is he trying to do? He's trying to bring you condemnation. And if you let that condemnation sit, how do you do that? When you don't know who you are in Christ. And when you don't know these new creation realities, you will fall for the condemnation. Hallelujah! And you'll say, man, I'm a, I'm, I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm worthless. I'm about to get sick. You'll say all these things that God didn't say uh, to you and your heart will not be established. That's why it says if your heart does not condemn you, guess what? You'll have confidence in God. You'll have confidence in the new covenant. Can I get an amen? Let's go back now. So that's not going to happen. No one is going to accuse you before God. Amen. It's not going to happen. And he says in Job 1 verse 8, And the Lord said to Satan, If you consider my servant Job, that there is none like him, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears and escheweth evil. Then Satan, Satan answered the Lord and said, Does God fear, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him about his house and all that he has on every side? Have you not blessed the work of his hand and his substance is increased in the land? Put forth thine hand now and touch all that he has and he will curse you to the face. So Satan is saying, now you take it away from him and he will curse you to your face. Now, God doesn't take away stuff. God is not the one doing stealing and killing and destroying. So Satan is trying to pervert who God is and the true nature of God. And this is what God said in verse 12. And a lot of people get tripped up with this verse. And the Lord said to Satan, behold. What that word simply means is look. He says, behold. Just check it out. See, God is just. And here, you must understand, Job lived in a time 150 years before Moses. Way before Abraham. So he lived in what is called the dispensation of conscience. 
where you determined what was right and what was wrong based on your own conscience, there is not a single known uh, covenant uh, uh, in this time, in this era that Job lived. Amen? So there was no covenant. In fact, the book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible in terms of when it was written. Not the occurrence. When it was written. Because the book of Genesis, some of you may be thinking, okay, this is the oldest Bible, book in the Bible. Yes, occurrence is the oldest book, but it was only written by Moses 150 years later after Job had already gone. Hallelujah. So this is the oldest book. And in the book of Job, you won't see a single mention of the God of, you know, uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is specifically in reference to a covenant. See, when the Old Testament saints said the God of uh, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, they were specifically talking about a covenant. They're talking about the God who cut a covenant for us with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. That covenant has been uh, 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 traveling through the passage of time unto us. (laughs) So you can't say the God of Tafara Butai. Because guess what? God hasn't cut a covenant with Tafara. Man, I'm surprised. How dumb can you get and still breathe? I'm surprised the whole body of Christ, the God of my Papa. Listen, what covenant has God cut with your Papa? That's just plain stupid. It's not just a tag, a line that we use. Man, sometimes Christians, you just want to slap them. Say, wake up. It's in reference to a covenant. So God here is saying to Satan, because there was no covenant, and uh, this man basically lived in a time where Adam had fallen. He had done what he did, committed the great treason, and shifted the power for the whole earth to Satan. You know the story when he ate of the fruit? Now Satan was now the God of the earth because of what Adam did. Amen? And this was before Jesus came to reverse that. So this man was at the mercy of Satan because Satan is now the, the, the God of the earth. But here's something you need to understand is that Satan is a dumb spirit. Yeah. He didn't even know that. Because yeah. Satan has no spiritual insight. Yeah. He cannot re- understand spiritual things. So he's thinking, oh, you God, you take away. And God is like, look, fool. All that he has is in your power. That's all he's saying there. He's not saying, I'm signing you an approval to go and kill him. He's just saying, duh, all that he has is under your control. Behold, all that he has is in your power. And do not lay, lay a hand on this person. That's the only piece of covenant we know. And here it's pointing to Job's integrity. As long as Job kept his integrity intact and not cursed God, Satan has had no right to kill him. Remember, Job's wife came in Job chapter number 2, verse 9, and said, curse God and die. That was the only piece of covenant that we see, agreement, understanding between Job and God. Amen? So Job, uh, 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 you know, Satan decided he was going to use this authority, so he came and killed all of uh, Job's flock. You remember the story? Uh, the houses got burned down. Man, he literally came and uh, started doing what he does, which is John 10, verse 10, to steal to kill and to destroy. So I have a question for you. Who was doing all the killing? It was Satan. Who wanted to take Job out? It was Satan who was doing all of this mess, right? 
And when this started to happen to Job, something very interesting happened to Job. And that's what we're going to look at. Let's go now to Job chapter number 10 verse 15. So we're going to read Job's worldview. And then we're going to bring it to you today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to read it in the King James Bible, please, if you will. In the original King James. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. So this is Job speaking. And he says in Job 10, verse 15, by the way, this happened really fast. All of this, you know, the story of Job transpired in about seven months. And I know some people have been claiming the Job experience for their entire lifetime. <laughs> uh, you know, pastor, the, the Lord just given me a job. No, it's not. Sometimes it's stupidity. Sometimes it's just ignorance. Yeah. Amen? It's not a job experience. Because you cannot believe enough to have a job experience. Because you have a covenant, a better covenant, established on better promises. Amen? So this is Job speaking. And this is what Job said. If I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. See, Job, when he started talking all the way from uh, the book of Job, chapter number 4, all the way to chapter number 37, he said I about 163 times because he was trying to justify himself. Man, when you look to self, you is about to lose. Even you in the new covenant. You look to Christ and the finished work of the cross. Amen? Amen. So look at what he's saying. If I be wicked, warn unto me. And if I be righteous, yet I will not lift up my head. I want us to read the next sentence together. Ready? Read. I am full of confusion. Let's read that one more time. I am full of confusion. Let's read that one more time. I am full of confusion. Therefore, see down mine affliction. This is Job speaking out of his own mouth, and he said, I am full of confusion. Question. How many of you in here trying to get to a place, if you met someone you just knew into this area, and you met someone and you, you, know, you asked them for directions, if they started with this statement, how many of you would listen to everything else they have to say? If they said, you know what, you're trying to go to Polokwani. Okay, let me help you. I am a man right now full of confusion. But here's how you go to Polokwani. How many of you would listen to those instructions? Amen? Anybody? Anybody would give him a chance? No, I'm not. Amen? And here's what we did in the body of Christ. We have taken the statements made by a self-confessing man to be full of confusion and made doctrines out of it. The man just told you, I am a man full of confusion. And what did he say in his confusion? Let's go to Job chapter number 10, verse 3. In the New King James, please. Job 10, verse 3. Job 10, verse 3. A New King James, brother? Listen to what he says. He's looking at God. A man full of confusion. He says, does it seem good to you That you should oppress me. Who was doing the oppressing? See, we had a vantage point. We know exactly who's doing the oppression. But this dude, he confessed. He's a man full of confusion. And sure enough, he was full of it. 
Look at what he's saying. Does it seem good to you that you should oppress me? That you should despise the work of your hands? Who might be you? Capital letter Y. God. He's saying, does it seem right to you? Man, Satan is oppressing you, but in his mind, because he's full of confusion, he thinks it's God. Does it seem right to you that you should oppress me? That you should despise the work of your hands and smile on the counsel of the wicked? This was his perception. He didn't have a revelation of Satan. He didn't have a revelation of an enemy. He didn't know that there was an enemy in the picture. Amen? I said amen. amen. Job 13 verse 24. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Job 13 verse 24. Watch what he says. He says, why do you hide your face and regard me as your enemy? Man, he thinks God is... God just said at the beginning in Job chapter number 1 that if you considered my servant Job... Man, God talks like a friend who's making a reference to a friend. But from Job's... Uh, God, but from Job's perspective, Job thinks God is his enemy. Because he's a man full of what? Job 16 verse 9. Thank you, Jesus. Job 16, verse 9. He tears me in his wrath and hates me. He's talking about God. He says he hates me. I mean, if we read verse 7, God was proud of Job. He, he doesn't hate Job, but Job is a man full of what? Confusion. So we can't make a doctrine out of this. Because this dude is full of confusion. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Can I get an amen? amen. He says, God gnashes at me with his teeth. You know, like, like a dog trying to bite you. This is his perception. of This is his assessment of everything that is going on. Amen? He says, my adversary sharpens his gaze on me in reference to God. Why? Because he's a man full of confusion. Now, I know some of you are going to start pulling back on this one because you even sing songs about this one. Let's go to Job 121. Man, you're going to start pulling back. Yeah, pastor, but you know, he just told you he's a man full of confusion. Job chapter number 1, verse 21. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, who said? Job. In fact, let's read from verse 20. If you will. Then Job arose tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. Just because you're in a worship service does not mean what you're saying in a worship service is in line with what God is. Amen? You could be in a worship service full of confusion. Look at what this man said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Great. I give that a tick. Because no one takes anything from here. But here, the confusion kicks in. The Lord gave. And the Lord has taken away. Now, question. Who took away, based on our vantage point reading of chapter number one? But this man's perspective is, the Lord gave and it is the Lord who has taken away. And he just sprinkles some religion on top of it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No, it doesn't make it right, brother. You are full of confusion. It was not the Lord who took away. It was the Lord who gave, but it wasn't the Lord who took away. Christians have written songs about this verse. Christians have come up with doctrines from a man who's full of confusion. What's up with that? 
Amen. John 10, verse 10, which is our compass, what does it say? The enemy, Satan, comes to do what? To steal, to? And to destroy. And then Jesus flips it and he said, I came that you might have what? Life and have it what? More abundantly so, God is not the one who's doing the taking away. Man, I've heard this verse quoted at funerals. When someone dies prematurely, when someone dies through a misfortune or an accident or something, preachers would come and say, oh, well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. It wasn't the Lord who took away. Amen. I said, amen. Amen. Job 13, verse 15. This man is full of confusion. Job chapter number 13, verse 15. This is Job. He's just complaining, man. He's, He's having a pity party. Job 13, verse 15. Look at what he says. Man, I've had famous preachers preach this one. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. It sounds like an abusive relationship. (laughs) But this is a man full of what? Confusion. This dude is full of confusion. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. This dude is talking about self too much. Now, when God shows up on the scene, this is what God said in Job 38 from verse 1 to 2. Let's see what Job said to this. Job 38 from verse 1 to 2. I want to read it in the King James Bible, and then I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible. Then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, who is this that talks too much and knows nothing? This is God's response to everything that Job said. He gives and he takes away. He says, man, you're just talking too much, but you have no knowledge of what you talk about. Now watch what he says in the Amplified Bible. <clears throat> Verse 1, 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And I'm so glad Job was quick to say, I'm the one that has been talking too much of things that I don't understand. Where did he say that? Job chapter number 42, verse 3. The the Lord doesn't give and take away. The Lord gives and he blesses. He gives life and he gives us more abundantly. Can I get an amen? Amen. He says in Job 42 verse 3, You asked. Let's read it in the New King James Bible, please. Thank you, Jesus. New King James Bible. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Remember the question? God said, who is this that talks what they don't understand? So this is Job's response. Lord, you asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not. The man confessed. I'm so glad the man did. 
The man confessed and the man said, I, I, I uttered things that I did not understand. I uttered things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to submit to you that when you read Job chapter number 3, all the way to chapter number 38, you are reading stuff from a man who confessed that he was full of confusion. Not only that, the man who confessed that he uttered things that he did not understand. Job and his friends. What I'm doing is called rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what the Bible says. It says, study to show yourself a workman approved of God who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. What does that mean? That means the word of God needs to be rightly divided. We can't just get a line from the Bible and make a doctrine out of it. You have to understand the whole picture. And thank God we have the whole book of Job. We can read from a vantage point. Job did not get the opportunity to hear the conversation in heaven. You and I heard it. God was proud of Job. He wasn't trying to take Job out. God is not the one who was killing Job's kids and all of those misfortunes. God is a giver, not a taker. And a lot of the church have missed this part. And this is why the Bible says this in James chapter number 1 from verse 16 to 17. James chapter number 1 from verse 16 to 17. It starts with these words in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Man, I'm always, I'm always careful when I read that in the Bible. Verse 16, it says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. When the Bible says that, it means you're, about, you're getting ready to read an area of potential deception. He says, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. But understand this, verse 17. Every what? Good. And every what? Good. I didn't hear that. Every what? Good. And every what? Good. Is death a good gift? You know, because the Lord is a, a blessing What is it, in disguise. No, it's not. The blessing is a blessing. Yeah. God doesn't disguise, you know. Abraham, I'm trying to make Isaac for you, but it's disguised as uh, 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 Mary. No, he doesn't do that. God gives good gifts and perfect gifts. Amen. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And comes down from who? The father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turn. In other words, God is not schizophrenic. God does not operate from the mercy of mood swings. (laughs) Where sometimes he's happy, sometimes he's down, sometimes he's middle. No, God is good and he's good, watch this, all the time. Watch what this verse says in the Amplified, verse 17. It amplifies it a little bit more. Verse 17. Uh, Verse 17, please. Every good gift and every perfect, free, large, and full gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light. In the shining of whom there can be no variation, rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning 
as in an eclipse. God is good and is good all the time. God is not the one doing the killing. God is the one doing the giving and doing the blessing. And this is how you read from the book of Job. And when you understand this, then you will understand. Even, I mean, we even have the end of the story in the book of Job. The end was glorious. And the glory did not come from Satan. The glory came from God. Let's go and read the glory. Job 42 verse 10. As we close. Is this helping you? Man, I'm telling you, you need to take this teaching and send it to people who don't understand uh, the concept of God being a good God. The people who think God is just sovereign and He sovereignly controls everything. God is sovereign, but sovereign does not mean omni-control. Sovereign means he is the highest authority and no one tells him what to do, but it does not mean he controls every single thing that happens in the earth realm. If he did, he would make you come to church on time. (laughs) I mean, if God did, he would make you tithe. (laughs) He would just make you do it. He would just control and make you do it, right? No, he doesn't. He has given you free will. And we have an adversary. We have an enemy who goes to and fro looking for someone to take out. Who we must resist. Submit ourselves to God and resist this devil and he will flee from us. So we have an enemy, ladies and gentlemen. But he's not a core equal with God. He has been defeated. Don't make him big in your mind. Amen. Job 42, uh, verse 10. And the Lord released Job from captivity when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord, the Lord, not Satan, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So this is where we get the song double, double. Man, Job got double. And if Job in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environment where he did not have a covenant as superior as you and I could claim a restoration of double, I'm telling you, you can claim even sevenfold. You can claim a hundredfold for everything you lose because you know that God didn't take it. It's the enemy who took it. And the Bible says when an enemy is caught, he must restore sevenfold. That's just the minimum. That's the flaw. If you can stir up your faith to believe for that, man, I'm telling you, you can claim a thousandfold. But you have to build your faith in understanding that God is the good guy in the picture. And the man, Job, man, he said a lot of stuff. And you can't just take that. And make doctrines out of it. Amen? Amen. And I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Does that help you? Thank you, Lord. We're going to be continuing next week talking about why do bad things happen to good people. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.